I'm Patricia Grabar. And I'm Katina Sawyer. And welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. So what are we talking about today, Katina? It is your article day. Yes. So we are going to be talking about how you can recover after work and four important strategies for doing that. And then some interesting facts about what makes you uh, more or less likely to do them as well as what's why should you do them, basically. Perfect. That seems very relevant to me right now because I feel like I need to recover from the crazy few weeks I've been having. <laughs> yes, you definitely do. I am ready to recover. I've been moving. I've had work travel, lots of work travel, um, where I left my makeup. For those of you that follow our Instagram, <laughs> will maybe remember my freak out of leaving everything at home. It was hard to remember stuff because I had I have like boxes and bags everywhere around the apartment as we're moving. And so like it just kind of blended in with the other random junk that was around. So yes. I totally just didn't grab that bag, which was fun. Yes, um, I've done that before, too, and had to do something similar. And I've also forgotten like like one time I forgot just like pants like <laughs> <laughs> I was like that was a long time ago that's like when I was very early in my career I forgot I like just literally showed up and I was like I don't have any pants for tomorrow like I had the I had the pants I was wearing but I couldn't wear them for what I was there for so like I had to go to a store and buy pants like immediately mm -hmm. um yeah now I'm like paranoid because of that experience so even if I'm just going for one night I pack like two at least two pants because I like <laughs> now I'm like freaked out about like it like scarred me for life I always have too many pants that's really funny. I have forgotten shoes before. That's been my one weird one. Yes. Um, so I had like sneak. I had like these really. They weren't even sneakers. I think they were just like UGG boots. And so I didn't have like heels or flats or like something yeah. nicer for work. I had UGG boots. Yeah. Um, it's a little hard to get away with. But I kind of just did it anyways. To be yeah. Honest. If it was, it's just it regular work and you're not like presenting. Oh, no. I was presenting. I went to a client with my Ugg You boots. did? That's awesome. <laughs> but they're black Ugg boots, and it was oh. Minnesota. So Oh, yeah. Okay. It was really cold, and I... Yeah, the and picture my, I your painting put, is better now. Yeah. So I had pants. I had pants on for the... Like, my work outfit was a was long pants, and I just put them over the boots. So you could yeah. see, like, the bottom. So it wasn't I think the that's worst. fine. I think that's fine. I feel fine. like I got away with it. I, no I said agree anything, with you. so whatever yeah <laughs> I think I think that sounds a lot like I was picturing like tan Ugg boots and like like work pants that like taper in and the boots going over the pants and I was like I don't know <laughs> yes that would have been bad um I'm very glad that it was able to work though because I was in like a really small town in Minnesota and it was negative 30 outside. Ew. So if I had to go to a store, I mean, I would have just cried. Yeah, it that's was, just I was disgusting. like, I need to sit in this hotel room and try to stay warm and then just go to the, the meeting and then go back to the airport. Like, I did not want to be anywhere outside. Yeah, that's disgusting. Yeah, that's like mm -hmm. when I just went to Detroit a few months ago and I landed and there was all this snow on the ground. And I was just like, I'm not leaving my hotel. Like, I'm going there. And I'm just never going outside until I have to go back to the airport because I just like couldn't mentally handle it. Yeah, I I totally understand that. It was the coldest I've ever been when I was in that on that trip to Minnesota. It was, I mean, it's so I've cold. I've never been that cold ever, ever, ever. I so, know. 
It's bad. Some of my collaborators are from Minnesota. And in the wintertime, if we're like, oh, it's snowing or whatever, they're always like, ha ha, ha 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 ha. Like, you have no idea what cold <laughs> is. Like, you're dumb. Like, cold is, this is not cold. Like, you are a baby. And um, yeah. And I don't know if you've ever seen on like Instagram or something, but some of my friends uh, that live in that direction will do the thing where they go outside and like throw a cup of water and it just freezes in the middle of the air. Oh gosh. Um, I've seen people do that. Not your friends necessarily. Yeah. But, but I mean like you've seen that seen happen. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's creepy. it's creepy. I'm like, Oh, that that's like your face. Like everything, like your eyes can freeze in that weather. Like legit. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying. It is. It scares me a lot. I don't so like it. I wouldn't do it. My heart goes out to all of those listeners that are in those regions. Yes. And are either making fun of us right now or are That's freezing true. and understand what we're talking about. Yes. And it's and even though losing your makeup was problematic, at least you didn't lose your shoes in <laughs> like negative 20 degree weather again. Yes, very true. And like realistically, the makeup thing, like it's so superficial, right? Like I could have, if I didn't have the makeup, I would have survived. You really don't wear makeup thought me. that much anyway. No, I, I mean, I went and bought mascara. That's like literally all I did. <laughs> so it's not like I went You crazy. were like, no. And then, <laughs> My mascara is gone. And then you show up and buy one thing and you're like, so much better. <laughs> I just feel better. It makes me feel more awake, especially when I yeah. have like an early morning meeting. I'm like, I know it's probably not that big of a deal, but it just makes my, I just feel like it makes my eyes look more awake and open. Yeah. And so you I can really take an, you can take a nap it. and no one will know. <laughs> <laughs> Your eyelashes stay awake while the they rest of you is sleeping. <laughs> but yeah. So anyways, it was not the biggest problem in the world, but it was just very disappointing that I did that. I know forgetting stuff is always annoying like when I forgot my um, microphone or oh, yeah. yeah and I went to the store and that guy hooked me up he was like just buy this thing and then return it on your way back and I was like am I allowed to do that and he was like sure <laughs> and <laughs> I was it worked. like cool it did I know I was like thank you sir you're the best that's awesome yes. well why don't you tell us about how I can recover then from all the craziness? Yes. Um, you're in need of recovery. I yes. have you covered for your recovery. Okay. So <laughs> um, this article is called Unplugging or Staying Connected, Examining the Nature, Antecedents, and Consequences of Profiles of Daily Recovery Experiences. And it's a brand new article, 2020, from the Journal of Applied Psychology. And it's by uh, Nitya Chawla, Rebecca McGowan, Allison Gabriel, who we just posted an episode from today, and Nathan Podzikoff. So, yes. So um, the basic premise, as I mentioned before, is that uh, there's been a lot of literature on what is necessary in order to recover from work. But no one has ever looked at sort of weighing these things against each other like what's more important less important and also no one's ever looked at like in real time how are people actually using these strategies so like if you're a person that says like I'm gonna relax at the end of my workday versus like go do something with friends do you always do that 
do you sometimes do something else? Do most people fit one profile of like, I'm always a relaxer. I'm always a go do something with friends person. Um, Or do most people switch back and forth? And if that's the case, like what's the impact of switching? What's the impact of sticking with one? So there's a little bit going on in this article, but the basic idea is what can you do to make sure that you're replenished and recuperated after work? It's a really interesting premise to understand like the different ways of recovering and how people actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the four recovery processes are not new to this article, but they've been demonstrated on their own to each have positive impacts. And uh, they come from um, an article where actually if you go online, you can find if you want to know which of these you're most frequently doing, you can go online and find um, a questionnaire um, in an article by Sonnentag and Fritz, which we can link to. Um, But basically the four strategies are psychological detachment. That's the first one, which means that you're just not thinking about work outside of work. So that has to do with things like not checking work email, not thinking about work-related problems or concerns, um, not even um, not working on work tasks that are left over from your day. So anything that has to do with thinking about work after work is in the realm of detachment. Mm-hmm. So this is where I – it has nothing to do with anything I'm doing yes. during the evening. It's just not thinking about work. Yes, exactly. So you're not detached if you're spending time thinking about work. You are detached if you're just you're mentally in a different space. Um, So if you're a person that, you know, has separate emails, for example, for work and for personal life and you put your work phone in another room and you don't look at your work email until the next day um, and you're really not ruminating over anything that happened to you during the day, you would be a very detached person from us from a, a psychology perspective. Perfect. Okay. So what's the next one? The second one is relaxation, which is basically just taking time to relax uh, for leisure activities. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's anything that sort of makes you feel like you're able to kick up your heels and really relax. So it could be something like meditation. It could be something like yoga. Um, or it could be something like just sitting on the couch and watching something that you enjoy. It could be sitting and having a conversation with someone like anything that you find relaxing, um, that falls under the realm of relaxation. So it's a little bit self-defined, um, but it's basically the idea of, you know, sort of kicking up your feet and taking some time to just kick back. Okay. So relaxation is very independent to the person as to what that means to you and mm-hmm. somebody could potentially I know I'm probably jumping the gun but they can do both these things at the same time right like you can psychologically detach and relax yes um definitely you could you and that's something important um nobody's looked at all of these yet in conjunction before this article but one of the things that they're actually looking at in this article is like can you do people do them all the time can you do them all the time so what they find is that yeah actually you can do all four of these things at at once um just to give a little preview a little preview of that um so they're not like they're not mutually exclusive you can do them all at the same time but you could also and potentially do like a couple of them at the same time not every single one yeah and i think it would be like more specific instances where you would like be you know doing them all at once like that would be uh more challenging to find something that would fit all those criteria um but at the very least you can 
have one evening where you do all of the things mm-hmm. um, in total. So, um, mm-hmm. so even if one activity is not checking the box, you could sequence activities so that by the end of the night, you've done all these things. Got it. That makes sense. Um, so yeah, so relaxation is just anytime you have like very low physical or mental activation. Um, mastery is the third one. That's having a positive challenging experience and learning a new skill. So that's anytime you like take a class or you, um, have a conversation, like you're networking, maybe you're having a conversation with someone that's, uh, helping you learn something new. Um, or even like you're, setting a goal to get a black belt in karate and you're trying to do that. So um, anything related to something that you find personally challenging, but that you also like. So it's not like you're dreading something Um, and it causes you to learn a new skill that is mastery. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about some of these before. So I'll make sure to link to the other article or the other podcast episode. I think there's probably an article too about this. Yeah, I know there's an article about the four, but there's I think previous articles as well, and um, yeah, mastery is such an interesting one because you're still, you're still flexing those brain muscles, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and doing some some challenging mental work, but it's different from your day to day job. Thus, it's kind of activating different things and helping you recover. Yeah, and I think something important to think about with mastery is like. The recommendation is not to be like, okay, you know, you hate poetry, but you should push yourself to get out of your comfort zone and make yourself go take a poetry class or something. Like, if you don't like the thing you're doing, like, genuinely, it's not going to have a positive impact. It's really like you're gaining some excitement or energy from the fact that you're hitting this challenging goal. So it should be a domain that you actually care about and that you like. It's different than... Being like, you know, you should try something new that makes you feel totally uncomfortable. Maybe over time you could find comfort in something you didn't find comfort in initially, but um, it's something that brings like positive energy to you. Right. So you're not dreading doing it. You're excited about doing it. Yeah. It's not causing you like anxiety or nervousness or whatever the case may be. That would be outweighing the positive pieces of Mm -hmm. what it would be doing for you. Mm -hmm. Um, That makes sense. And the last one is control. Which basically means that it's more overarching. It's not really an activity. Um, I guess it could be if you're like spending time planning or like delegating maybe. But the idea is that you're deciding how to spend your time. So um, if you have to go pick up your kids from soccer practice and you really don't feel like doing that, um, you would be experiencing lower control during that period of time. Um, If you're able to come home and you hate doing dishes and someone else in your house does dishes, but you don't mind taking out the trash. So you do that. That would be a higher level of control. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about these four, it seems like detachment, psychological detachment and control are kind of more overarching, right? Like you can actively choose to do things um, to help you detach, but generally speaking, if you're not thinking about work, you could be doing multiple things while doing that. And the same with control, right? If you're in control of what you're doing, that's not the actual activity. That's like the situation you're in to some degree. Yes. Yes. Um, So like, so I see what you mean by all four may not necessarily be happening at the same time. Um, You could be taking a Spanish class and not thinking about work 
and mm-hmm. you choose that class so then you're in control but you're not necessarily relaxing at that time so yes. that's where that fourth one is not necessarily coming into play but you could have control detachment and an, some sort of activity going on at the same time yes yep absolutely that is a hundred percent correct perfect well it's interesting that they I mean, it's great that they decided to look at all four of these things in conjunction since that hasn't really been done before. So what did they do? What did they find? So because they were interested in what people were doing after work and then how that impacted them, uh, they gave employees a survey to take uh, in the morning and in the afternoon. Um, And in the morning, they asked them about what kinds of things they did the night before Um, as well as a couple of other uh, things that they were interested in. So uh, in the morning, they got a survey that said, hey, what did you do to recover last night? And in the afternoon, they got uh, some other outcome variables that they were interested in looking at in terms of, okay, if you did these recovery experiences last night, what is it that is impacting or what is being impacted today um, as a result? And people took these surveys two time points uh, for at least five days. Um, and uh, they uh, had t- a little, a few over 200, they had 207 people uh, provide um, assessments in morning and the evening over the course of those five days. So um, that's basically the design. And um, as we've talked about before, that kind of design is stronger than just a regular survey um, because it helps them to be able to say, okay, is what you did the night before actually predicting how you feel today? And you end up getting five different days of data to be able to say, okay, does this actually matter within this person's day to day? Does what they did the night before actually matter, but it's still the same person as opposed to like having all this other noise that might be introduced if it's different people. Like if I'm asking you, you what you did the night before and it has an impact. And then I ask someone else what they did the night before and it has an impact. We're two different people. So it's a little bit harder to say that what we did is is necessarily what's driving it. But in Mm -hmm. these kinds of samples, if it's the same person and they're like, last night I did this and today I feel like this, but the last, the night before I did that and the next day I felt like this, you can hold constant more of those things that vary between people and make it a little easier to say, okay, it really is what they're doing and not just kind of who they are or something else about their work context. Right. So it's like if I'm a super positive person and you're a very negative person, then we right. may have different views on things. So our baseline of feeling positive about things is going to be very different. Yes. And so if we look at each of our experiences um, within that person, so like if I look at how I feel from day to day, like I'm generally going to be more positive than the negative person, but one day might be less positive than my norm. Mm-hmm. And we can see what caused that. Or maybe I'm more positive than my norm. And what caused that? Like just yeah. kind of an example. And then the same with the negative person. Like maybe one day they're feeling better um, than their average, but their average might just be lower than mine. And so we're kind of controlling for those types of things um, that might be happening within the person. But also, I mean, there's a lot of different types of variables that might impact this stuff. But yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good point that with this type of study, with this kind of research design, you can see things a little bit more clearly or at least try to see things a little bit more clearly as best yeah, as you can. Definitely. Um, so this is this is uh, why it got into a good journal because it's a rigorous method and it helps us to 
better understand kind of whether what we're seeing is being potentially caused by their stuff or whether it's really what they're saying it's saying. So um, we can be more confident in these results than maybe if they'd use a different method. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll tell you what they found. So um, basically what they did was they were first interested in looking at whether or not there were different ways that people combined or did not combine these strategies to get a sense of are people really just doing one thing? Are they doing multiple things in an evening? Um, And so they were curious about like what are the different combinations that are most frequently occurring? Um, And so what they found was that there were these different profiles that were more frequently occurring of what people do after work. So in case anyone's interested in kind of what people tend to do most frequently. Um, The profile that had the um, largest membership um, or what people generally combined the most was feeling a sense of moderate control and uh, to a lesser extent being detached and relaxing, but having very low mastery. So the idea that Uh, People tend to feel like they're in control of things. They might be thinking a little bit about work. They might be doing a little bit of relaxing, but they're definitely not doing stuff that they feel is like challenging after work. So that's one profile is like, I'm kind of in control of things. I feel like I'm sort of relaxed, but I'm not engaging in this mastery. I'm not taking a class. I'm not doing something to learn a new skill. And that seems intuitively right like yes when you talk to your friends how many of them are actually doing these types of things after work it's probably few and far between yes and the next uh and that's accurate because uh the next uh highest membership of the type of things that people were doing also had a lower uh level of mastery which was people who felt very relaxed felt more detached felt more in control even than the first group, but also were not um, doing anything challenging. So this is a group of people who were better at detaching, better at relaxing, had even more control, um, but also were not engaging in these challenging um, types of activities after work. Um, Yeah. Um, Then there was the third largest profile, which is basically people that weren't doing any of this stuff. So they, yeah, so they called those people plugged in. They're not detached. They're not relaxing. They're not engaging in anything challenging. They don't have as much control. So they're calling those people plugged in. And as we'll see in a little bit, the plugged in people had the worst results of anybody. Yes. Um, So they feel like they're still thinking about work and they're not relaxing and they're not doing anything that they find positively challenging. And they also feel like they don't have a lot of control over their evening. That makes me so sad. It's like the I thought for sure I guess I was being positive (laughs) Um, I thought for sure that it'd be the first two yeah they're not doing anything for the mastery side they're not necessarily learning anything whatever and then that the third group will be the 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 magic group that goes to classes or something but Mm -hmm. instead there's a group that does nothing and doesn't relax that's so sad yeah yeah um That was uh, definitely discouraging and becomes more discouraging because the fourth profile is kind of an odd profile. It's like people who just sort of have an average amount of everything. So they're like averagely detached, averagely relaxed, averagely mastery, averagely controlled. Um, So they're just sort of like they're calling them moderately unplugged. They're sort of plugged. (laughs) They're sort of plugged in, but not really. And the lowest percentage of people or the lowest percentage of reports of a particular type of profile 
um, was only 8% of the instances of how a particular evening was um, categorized was typified by what would be high levels of detachment, high levels of relaxation, high levels of mastery, and high levels of control. And they called that unplugged. So that was the least popular profile um, was people who were actually doing all four of these things, right? Um, Yeah. So um, generally, it seems like people are not um, being maybe, maybe it's just that people aren't aware that the combination of these things would be helpful. So they're not being conscious enough, which is why we're talking about it. Maybe once you're conscious of it, you think, okay, let me think of a checklist. Like what can I do to relax? What can I do to try to get some mastery? And what can I do to make sure I increase my control? What can I do to try to detach, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but it also probably speaks to a broader like overwork culture that we're seeing where uh, people are just not feeling as uh, able to uh, unplug entirely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the bigger issue is people just don't unplug as much anymore. And we see those challenges with all the other things we talk about on the show and on our website in terms of burnout. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues in the workplace and trying to balance your life and be able to recover and feel better and you know focus on that wellness and this just seems to kind of solidify that since Mm -hmm. that high unplugged group is so tiny um and everyone else is still somewhat plugged in I also find the mastery piece really interesting yeah that there's only one group that has that and it's that Mm -hmm. eight percent group and everybody else doesn't even bother and like I wonder if that goes back to some of what we were just talking about, like that burnout, exhaustion, if you feel exhausted while we know in the literature that if you try to do something that helps you gain mastery, you're probably going to feel better. Mm-hmm. It's hard to motivate yourself to do those types of things when you feel tired. Yeah, absolutely. So you might be thinking, oh, you know what? I won't do X, Y, Z because it will take more energy away from me but you're not thinking about the fact that the research actually shows that it gives you back energy it just feels mentally challenging to like get yourself there that's why they always say like you know get yourself to get dressed and go to the place and then once you're there decide if you really don't want to do it but once you start making the efforts towards doing it you can start feeling like energized towards it it's just like sometimes that like mental block of like oh the idea of doing this is really bothering me you know I don't think I have the energy to do it um even if like as soon as you start doing it you feel more energized and slowly get more energized it's like it takes you like getting over that like mental hump to like be able to even put yourself in a situation where you're doing it yeah it's like the first step is more of a giant leap and then you can walk the rest of the way yeah exactly exactly um so something else that was interesting in this particular paper is that People don't generally stick with one profile. So if you're unplugged today, tomorrow, you're not likely to be unplugged again. Um, You're likely to be in another profile. So most people experience dynamic changes. So most people are not just one thing, always unplugged, always plugged. It's like one day you might be able to be unplugged. Another day you might be plugged. Another day you might be uh, doing some things, but no mastery, right? Like, um, so people tended to hop around quite a bit. So um, the other thing to keep in mind about this is that if you think about your own life, um, 
especially if you're not you haven't been thinking about it before and being like conscious about the choices that you're making um it's unlikely that you're just like stagnant in the way that you approach um things you're probably going to hop around a bit depending upon what's going on yeah that makes sense i mean even your relaxation method is probably going to change from day to day um, yeah in terms of what you've got going on and and to the point of like control, like maybe one day you have to run a bunch of errands and that's not really a control thing, right? Like you don't want to necessarily run errands, but there might be things you have to do. And the mm-hmm. next day all your errands are taken care of. So then you have more control and you can do whatever you want. Um, so yeah, of course it makes sense that it fluctuates from day to day. Um, it's probably just good to be aware of how you're fluctuating and making sure you're at least doing some of these things um each day because I'm just envisioning like I mean there's even for me this week like there have been some days where I've worked later than I would like and when I stop working I've noticed I've actually done I'm kind of proud of myself because I feel like I've taken some time after even if it's later than I would like I would take you know half an hour 40 minutes before I would actually go to bed to just kind of unwind where I'm not thinking about work where I'm doing something mm-hmm. else maybe reading a book or playing a silly game on my phone like not necessarily the most productive right, things right. but things where I'm not thinking about work at all yeah so um I guess I have been trying to do at least one of these each day yeah absolutely and I think um interestingly and to your point Uh, One of the other things that they were interested in is like what makes you more likely to be in a particular profile and what's the outcome of being in a particular profile. So what they found was that the more you have time pressure in your job on a particular day, the less likely you were to be in one of the more unplugged profiles, which is not surprising. So the more you felt like there was pressure for you to like get things done in a particular period of time, there's deadlines, there's things that you have to get done right now the less likely you were to be in one of the healthier profiles um, with that had higher levels of recovery. And then um, the more you felt like your role for that day was ambiguous. So the more you felt like um, you weren't quite sure what you needed to be doing, you had a lot of questions about the work that you were supposed to complete. On those days, people were less able to recover after work. Um So it's really important to think about, um, if possible, how you can uh, maybe speak to someone at work about making your tasks more clear or how you can have better communication between uh, team members to make sure that you're on the same page, Um, as well as if you have a lot of time pressure, if you're the person setting these uh, things, thinking really about, you know, do we need as much time pressure as we have? Uh, Is it a cultural thing of the organization or more of a um, an actual demand that we need people to be on this like tight timeline? Like, are we expecting people are going to respond right away or get requests done right away when in reality they probably have a little bit more time to get to it? So things like that um, are making people more likely to end up in one of the less recovery related profiles. Um, Interestingly, social support did not have any relationship with what profile you ended in. Um, Mm. So yeah, they, they expected that the more support that you experience in a day, the more likely you would be to be um, unplugged um, or at least in one of the higher uh, levels of recovery profiles. Um, But they didn't find that it had any relationship. Um, So they thought that maybe um, if it's the case that you have an ambiguous role and you have a lot of time pressure, even if you feel like you have support, it may still be stressful enough that you're unable to disconnect, you're unable to um, 
actually relax. You're, you know, feeling unable to be able to take time to do something else that you could master. You might still sense a lack of control, even if you have support under those circumstances. I wonder too, and this is just me theorizing. It's not based on anything. Um, so everyone take that with a grain of salt. But part of me wonders if there's like ever a dark side of support and if that's what they're uncovering here. Hmm. Like now I have all of this. I have a ton of work to do. And so I have to work really late. And now my partner is going to help out by doing some other things. So that's mm-hmm. their support. They're helping me by doing other stuff. Then maybe they're bringing me food. Maybe they're doing that kind of stuff. But they're almost enabling me to continue yeah, to work true. longer that day. Yeah, that could be true. That could definitely yeah. be true. Or if um, study. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's a good idea. And also maybe like um, if it's uh, co-worker support or like you're thinking about social support from like friends or other people, like it could be that then you're thinking like, oh, man, I got to pay them back for that. Like now I have to think of how I'm going to fit in a time to like help them. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like if you're mm-hmm. thinking about like paying it forward. Um, so who knows? But yeah, that that those are um, some good ideas. And uh, I think that they were not expecting to find that. So uh, they put that as like a future direction. Um, so the very last thing uh, to say is that um, in the profiles where people were more unplugged, so the they were using more of the recovery strategies, so either the non-mastery recovering profile, which is the profile that was high on everything except for mastery, or the unplugged, which was high on everything, um, they had lower emotional exhaustion the the next day, and they slept better the night before. Oh, sleep's an interesting one too. I mean, it makes yeah. sense, but um, it's interesting that they measured that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So basically, uh, it it matters that you have more of these recovery experiences. So overall, the basic takeaway from all of this is that the more of these boxes that you can check after work, the better your sleep will be the less exhausted you'll be going into the next day. Um, And some ways that you can try to make that happen, if you can, is to try to get some better control over your workday in terms of your role ambiguity and how much time pressure you have. If you're putting time pressure on yourself for no reason, that might be something to also think about. Like sometimes I know I feel like I have to get things done right away, but it might not be the case that I actually do, you know, so uh, being realistic about timelines or deadlines uh, with yourself, but also if you're a manager, like setting those realistic timelines. Um, So I think all of that makes a difference. Uh, But the idea is that there are some things that you can do to set yourself up to be more likely to recover. And it's helpful for you because you end up going into your next day fresher and better able to tackle what you have to get done. Yeah, we'll have to post a link to our episode, our recent episode on sleep. Because that is linked to a thousand things. So yes, if you're able to recover and get that sleep, that good quality sleep that we know is super important. Um, I mean, that just totally sets you up for success. You're more productive. Like those other studies have shown like productivity and performance and um, job satisfaction. Like all those things are related to good sleep. Yeah. So not only are you less exhausted, but you've got like all these other positive benefits. So focusing on recovery is huge, huge in that yeah. sense. Definitely. 
Definitely. Yeah. And I think that this was just helpful because we knew that each of these things individually was good. Like detaching is good. Relaxing is good. More control is good. Um, mastery is good. But we didn't know a lot about how do people actually make that happen in real time. And we didn't know a lot about um, what's the impact of like how you actually put those puzzle pieces together on a regular basis. And it looks like at it's kind of additive. The more of them that you can do, the better um, mm-hmm. in terms of your outcomes. And it makes sense that like mastery, like while it's kind of sad that it's so low, like you're not going to probably go to a class every day, but it's right to consider that like the best group is the group that does all of these things. Right. So if you're able to not think about work, if you're able to have some control over your day, if you're able to make sure you, you carve out some time to relax, whatever that might look like for you. And then on top of that, maybe even if it's just a couple times a week, or maybe even just one time a week, you're taking a class where you're learning something different or you're challenging yourself in some way, then you're going to have that additional benefit. So if you have the capability to do so, like throw that little mastery session and download Rosetta Stone, like whatever that right, looks like, right. do a little bit of work there and you can have an even greater impact if you're already good at some of the other recovery stuff. Yeah. And I like your Rosetta Stone suggestion. Like even if you just like, you know, you like cooking and you try a new recipe um, or, you know, if you really like photography and so you, you know, edit some pictures that you took or whatever, like those, it doesn't need to be anything incredibly complicated. So it's just anything that you feel like you're getting better at something that you care about. So it doesn't even need to be something that like costs a lot of money or, um, you know, causes you to leave your house, but um, just something that you can feel like you're making progress. Yeah, that's great. I love it. This is a great article. Yeah, I'm happy they wrote it. it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, So we'll link to everything for all of our listeners. I think that um, article you mentioned, the Sonntag and Fritz with the questionnaire is going to be really Mm -hmm. fun for people. Yeah. Um, So we'll make sure we have that. And yeah, I'm going to definitely take what I learned today and try to make sure I'm continuing to do those things especially during very very busy weeks um, where I don't feel like I have a lot of control because if I'm not working I have to unpack Um, so I'll make sure I bring some control back into my life absolutely I think that's a good plan I'm gonna do the same thing yay well thank you so much for sharing of course for our listeners we'd love to hear from you please reach out you can find us at workerbeing.com you can email us at workerbeing at gmail.com. You can find us on social media at workerbeing on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your recovery strategies, whatever you'd like to share. We want to hear it. Um, and also, just to make another plug for some of our events, um, at the time of this, we'll have just had our LA event, which we're super excited about. And... Um, But we'll have other stuff coming up. So keep an eye on our newsletter if you want updates on our events. Our retreat is in April. Um, So we'll link to all of that for you as well. Thanks for listening. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabar and Katina Sawyer and produced by Allie Johnson. 